In chapter 2, Paul reminded them uh, uh, how he had came to them with a simple message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he revealed to them that when, you know, they got saved, they received the Spirit of God in order to help them understand God's nature. So now in chapter 3 tonight, you know, Paul kind of doubled back a little bit to uh, emphatically remind the Corinthians that they needed to mature. And so he's going to start off tonight talking about their lack of spiritual growth or their lack of growing in the faith. And because of this, he was letting them know that they was acting more worldly-minded or carnal-minded than spiritual-minded. In other words, they were conducting and living, uh, conducting themselves and living more like the world or like the flesh. In other words, they were living by the world's standards more than God's standards. And, and because of that immaturity, it caused the divisiveness in the church and they became a prime target for false teachers who would come in and, and teach doctrine that didn't go along with God's word, as well as the Greek philosophers who we talked about in chapter 1 also, who had a strong influence on the church in Corinth. So now he's trying to steer them back in the right direction by getting their mind off wilderness and challenging them to live by God's standards instead of the world's standards. Now when you hear the word standards, or standards, you know, what, what comes to mind? I mean, when we think about a standard, what is a standard? When we say something is a standard. Anybody made you want to get a mic? Uh, something, uh, a guideline of how okay. you operate. A guideline, okay, of something that will outline a great level of quality or attainment in trying to accomplish something or a particular guideline. And once you establish the standard, then normally it can become a measuring tool. Meaning that, you know, uh, in America, you know, at one time, you know, and we still say the standard now for measuring distance. You know, we start off and say, hey, you can have an inch and then so many inches equal a foot, so many feet equal a yard, and, and, and so everybody ought to know that, that if I got a ruler, one inch should be the same on every ruler in America. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have a ruler where, where standard is, one ruler got an inch here, and another ruler got the standard there. That means that standard has changed, and we didn't tell everybody about it. And so what, what, what happened is, is that those of us in the military, when I was in, we had standards. The military still got standards. But like the world, the military standards will change with the culture. Amen. The same standards that I came in under back in 1971, a lot of those standards have been modified. You know, at first when I came in, you couldn't have afro. And they still didn't want you to have afro, but they did let you grow your hair up so many inches, it couldn't be with two and a half inches, three inches, or something like that. And then you had to have it tapered. But at first, you had, everybody had high and tights. You know, you kind of had short hair. And, and as things change, not only did the haircut change, you know, sideburn length changed, you know, and then later on now, I'm sure when I came in, you couldn't have tattoos. But now, because the culture is full of people with tattoos in, on, the military have to accept that. So they changed their standards. What happens is when the world get into the church and start causing the church to change God's standards, 
That's where we get a conflict at. It's okay if the military is going to say, okay, we realize that all these kids now coming up are getting tattooed before they even get out of high school. And if we don't change that standard, we ain't going to be able to recruit nobody. Because everybody got their ears pierced now, they got haircuts are different now, things are different. So someone sit around and say, okay, we got to make an adjustment. And I think sometimes when we see culture changing like that, we think that, okay, then maybe God ought to be able to change like that too. Major, go ahead. Or, or, or could it be, Pastor, because, you know, when I think about standards and guidelines, I usually think about, okay, what I see other people do, or even though there's, a, there's regulations, still, eventually, you start doing like everybody else. So, so I was thinking, so like in the church, most people, they know the Bible and Jesus is, is the standard. And I think sometimes what happens is, they, they'll, they'll be a member of a church. They start doing and acting like they see us acting in church. And that's okay if we are acting in accordance with the standard. But what if we're, if we're, but if so we're not, not acting in accordance with the standard, then we're not a good pattern. Because it's okay. Paul say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So if, if I'm acting in a way that's godly, it's a good standard. They ought to follow that. But if it's an ungodly standard, somebody got to say that standard is not consistent right. with God's word. Right. But what happened is now is the church has gotten to this hyper-worldliness that they're trying so hard to get people in from the world that they have brought a lot of the world into the church and saying, until we get to that line or cross that line and say, where is the line now? And because pastors are trying to, to navigate that, they are compromising. So therefore now, Certain things that you wouldn't have seen in a church 20 years ago, you see it now. And so culture infiltrates the church because most of the people that come into the church come out of culture. But if the church is going to look like the world, then there's no need for the world to change. So does that mean S4P ministries have to do as other organizations are doing? Does that mean S4P ministry has to compromise their standards? Well, no. wait, wait now, let's, 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 let's not confuse man-made standards and tradition that is consistent with a particular church based on culture, stuff like that, versus a godless standard. A godless standard will be something that S4P should not compromise but a standard that is just based upon tradition was never a godless standard. It was a man-made standard. Some of them was based off, off scripture. Some was based off men's interpretation that may not apply to today's culture. God never prescribed exactly what our dress ought to look like. Culture drives that. But in some cultures, we dress more formal going to church than in other cultures. Some people have never going to church all dressed up all down because that wasn't in their culture. But because in our culture we grew up, Sunday was kind of different and, and I don't know if it was coming out of, you know, poverty, slavery or whatever. We just felt like Sunday you had to dress up. It was Sunday to go to meeting day, we used to call it. So you, you put on suits and stuff like that. But nowadays that mindset is not the same. People have changed. Some churches are still like that and if they are, that is not a God made standard to say everybody got to wear a suit and a tie and a jacket to church. 
that is based upon the membership of that particular church. So we would be wrong to try to lay a striving standard on a church that don't apply that same standard as long as that striving standard, they don't have to because if not that striving standard is not scripturally sound, it's just something that we do traditionally. I agree with that, Pastor, but some changes do need to some time to take place. Absolutely. As long as the change don't go against God's word, that standard can't change. And I think that's where the, the church get in trouble because now we come so close to that line to find out what do I, how close can I get to that line, to that standard, and still be within God's boundaries. And if I don't have that, then now, the church starts looking like the world. So it's no different than God is kind of amoral on music. We determine what is considered secular music versus, you know, Christian music based on lyrical content. But a lot of musical chords is a chord. An A note is an A note. It don't make no difference a jazz A note or a gospel A note. It's an A note. There's nothing sinful about that A note or B flat whether it's in jazz or whether it's in a gospel song. It's a note. But when you add to that note and what it represents, if you add in lyrics to it, now the lyrics can make that note have a different meaning to whoever added lyrics to it. So therefore, when the church listened to music, I used to get caught up on the beats and all that, but now I understand a note is a note. But I do want to know what was going through the mind of the people who wrote the music and what is the intent. What does the song say? Does it line up with the gospel? Or is there someone that's making songs now that are close to the gospel, but they never mention any gospel lyric? They, they just mention generic things to let you know this is an inspirational song. But all inspirational songs don't have to mention Jesus, don't have to even mention scripture. And so, it, it, but I can't say to a musician, hey, that song is sinful, sinful unless it is singing about things that's going to turn somebody away from God instead of drawing somebody to God. So lyrics is how I kind of look at music and stuff of that nature, but and that's, that's a broad area, and you don't even get musicians to agree on that, so I, I won't try to debate my taste of music or what I think it ought to sound like with guys who are professionals who know, you know how to write and compose and stuff of that nature. But I can listen to the lyrical content and say, ooh, but a lot of time when I listen to top gospel artists, I can hear secular licks in there, a secular chords in there that came from songs that we used to dance to. But what about, what about artists who are singing gospel music that are not so-called Christians? Well, that's no different. We can't be hard on artists. You've got preachers he's going to talk about here that can stand up in the pulpit and read in God's word and, and say they're a Christian, but that may mean they're just carnal. Because we're going to find out here tonight that the, the judgment is not, you know, uh, whether or not uh, 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 they're standing in the pulpit or they're singing this, that, and other. The judgment is that, hey, look, if you have confessed Jesus as Lord, then that's the criteria that God has established for you to get saved. You can make that confession and say, Jesus, Lord, and you've confessed him as your Lord and you done did the initiate baptism and all that. But at the same time, you can still be very worldly if you don't grow. 
that confession of faith is not based on works. It is based on your beliefs. Yeah, but, but let's just say, but, so if a ministry supports that, say, say, say if you said, okay, this Sunday, Snoop Dogg is going to be here. So in some folks' mind, that means that S4P Ministries is supporting smoking weed because we know that that's what Snoop Dogg does. But because he's going to come here on Sunday and sing gospel songs, you're going to say, you can't look at the person. You, can't, you don't know his heart. You don't, you don't know his heart. So he's going to get up there, and he's going to sing a gospel song. That makes it look like I'm in support of, and, and not, just, not just music, Pastor. I mean, a lot of things that will bring someone in or will say, well, hey, you know, the laws have changed in this particular area, so we got to, but we don't have to because sin is sin. That's right. And, 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 what, and what we have to realize, that's what we have to draw the line at determining what is sin. There are some things in the Bible where God don't clearly say it's sin, okay? But, but, but if it's against man's law, then even though it may, we not say this is sin, we, we should not violate man's law because we're supposed to be law-abiding citizens, okay? And, and so the, the challenge is, is that now what happens is that we have to be careful when we start at looking like we're trying to judge a person's heart and where they are. A person can confess Jesus, but they're going to be just like this person here. He ain't talking about they're going to be calling them minded. They're going to still live like the world. They're not going to grow. And there's going to be consequences for that because he's going to hold them accountable for how they build on the foundation that's been laid. But he's going to say, well, let me get there because I need you. I don't want to, huh? If that's the case, why the word say, leave the weed and the tear together and God is who going to separate them. So if he coming to sing a gospel music, and we know it's a gospel him coming to sing. Who are we to judge him because him smoke weed? Him not coming and smoke it in here. Him coming and do what God have him to do, or the spirit have him to do, and leave. No, nobody not telling him to, to follow him. We judging him by saying, oh, we can't have him up there. Who are we? Just a question. Yeah, and that's a good question. And, and I think that that's where the 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 each church is probably going to weigh that differently based upon how they would see that association. It would be the intent to say, okay, if Snoop Dogg is coming here and we're saying it's going to win people to Christ and God's going to use him to do that, then that may not be my taste of artists to bring here, but if another pastor do that, I can't say, like when he made the song with Rance Allen. I mean, that's a powerful song. I mean, that's a powerful song. So I don't care who made it, the song got a powerful message to it. Okay. So I, gotta, I can look past the messenger to get the message. Amen. And that's my point. Because in the, the, we're talking about learn to eat the meat and spit the bones, right? Yeah. So we can't decide, choose, pick and choose who we're going to receive it from. Because it's not who it's coming from. It's the message you need. You don't need to worry about who bringing the message as long as they bring the right message. But sometimes it looks like... Let, let Fred go, man. Let Fred go. Fred, go ahead. Y'all didn't even let me start reading, man. I think the, the Bible going to answer some of this for us. Go ahead, Fred. But we got to remember what the Bible says. You don't get salt water and fresh water from the same fountain. So, so if this artist is, 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 is let's, let's take Snoop Dogg. 
We know some of his songs. We know some of the lyrics in his songs. Now he's going to turn around he's going to sing a gospel song. And we're going to support that. So we're, yeah. it's like we're supporting the counting and bringing forth both salt and fresh water. But you can't judge that, Fred. You don't know what his heart is. I think you're trying to get too far. Because just because you come to church and sit in here on Sunday or sit in here right now, don't mean you ain't got some bitter water in your fountain when you leave here. Exactly. But the Bible says we should know them by their fruit. Okay. Don't the Bible say we're using? Not that we're we're hiding these fruit inspectors, but but we should know them by their fruit. You know, we, we, we could teach one thing and live something different. But we're going to, they're going to look at the way we're living, not the way they're teaching. But, but what, what the intent, now let's remember, I a question. the intent is to bring him here to seek it anybody. Now, I'm not saying Pastor Bolden will do, but I'm just saying if I was that pastor that, okay, say, hey, I'm trying to reach a congregation. This guy, you know, he got a testimony. He was brought up in the church. Yeah, he's a secular artist, but this song got a powerful message to it. If it's going to get somebody saved, I have a one more question. But 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 when I open up and say, okay, that's where I want to go. I think it's gonna come down to those individual pastors say, I'm gonna push that envelope a little further and see what happens and believe that somebody's life can be changed. And some pastors are gonna say, no, nah, I don't want to look like and give the appearance like I'm enabling him to do that. But I, but we gotta read this. Y'all gotta kind of. I, I, I know, but I just really have to ask this question. <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead. The, 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 the twelve apostles that walk with Jesus. Was they Christian coming out of churches reading the Bible? No. There was sinner, him comforted sinner, and him comforted saved. So him used broken people to give a testimony to get to the one them that don't know that even if they go and break the law or whoever they are, they can be saved. He's not trying to find a big dog. I'm trying to find those broken people to put them out there to, to save the one them that are broken just like the, the one them that come in, like we are. And, and, and if that's the end game, if, if people's lives are being changed and God using a donkey to do it, you know, he can use what he wants. But I do believe that if you, if, but at some point in time as we grow, there's going to be certain things that the spirit is going to say, hey, look, this is one of those areas that you don't need to dabble in. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and when we're trying to blend culture and the church, it does get a little messy. Now, we could have that same argument that the argument that we're having about weed right now, probably about 80 years ago, they were having about alcohol. They were probably saying anybody who drank alcohol shouldn't be coming to church. Because get you drunk, da-da-da. But alcohol wasn't legal. But then when it became legal and church people start drinking it, then the issue comes now, you can't get drunk. It always was like that, you shouldn't get drunk. But there were some people who was a little bit more sensitive and say, you shouldn't drink nothing, now that you say. But a weight may not be a weight for everybody, Fred. Weights is different. That, that, that's different. When he say you got to let her go to weights, it's things that may not be, things that may hold one person back, but not necessarily hold another person back. So... The, the, the things that can ensnare you or trap you, then you got to look at that. A weight could be like, if, if for me, knowing that alcohol is my, is my hindrance, then I know if that's going to cause me to go toward drunkenness, then that's a weight that I shouldn't deal with, even though if, if the limit is, as long as you don't get drunk, Bolden, you can still have your cold alcohol when you want to. Half of the medicine that you take for your cold got alcohol in it. 
You know, when you take that Percocet and all that codeine in the, in the cough drop, just read the label on it. Some of it's high as 10 foot of alcohol. So, so legally, you could get you some legal cough syrup and drink too much of it, and now you're sinning. Because you, you're getting drunk. But as long as you take it by as prescribed, a teaspoon for your cough, do you say, oh man, I'm sinning now, I ain't going to take, take no cough syrup. But, but I think my, not my argument, my, my question was leaning towards what, what a ministry supports and what that looks like. I wasn't saying about judging somebody's heart based on how they're living their lives. I, I was like, okay, because we see it. We see it all the time. Now, if, 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 if a pastor or a megachurch parades somebody up, it's like, hey, I'm supporting not only his song, that, his Christian song that he's going to sing, but I'm supporting him too. Well, when he gets down and leaves, he lives another lifestyle that the whole world knows about. Now, what is that, what is that saying about our ministry that you as a pastor allowed us to support this kind of behavior? Not saying that it's going to make anybody in our, in our church do that, but it's saying, okay, well, what is striving doing over there? And, and, are, and, are we trying to save people or, or are we trying to be like the world? I got you. And I think we're going to answer that, Major. And I agree with you on that. Now, when, if, if I know that someone, you know, like I say, like, I'm going back to what you were saying about Snoop. For me as a pastor, I would not be led to right. invite Snoop to strive. Right. That's just me. But I'm not going to condemn another pastor who, sure. who do that. Sure. Okay? I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that what he's done has committed a fatal error. Right. And, and, and there's no recovery from it. Right. But let me go ahead. I got to start reading. I ain't, I ain't read nothing yet. Let me, I think some of these going to be asked because Paul had to deal with this because he didn't say, he didn't say kill him. <laughs> he, he, that's amazing. Let me start reading. He said, now, dear, dear brothers and sisters, I'm in chapter 3 of, of 1 Corinthians. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. But he still called them brothers and sisters because they would call them out. He said, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian faith. So Christian infants going to act more worldly than they are saved. They're going to act more than they they would act if they was mature. But the intent is God is going to expect them to grow. The problem is, is everybody don't grow at the same rate. It'd be nice if we knew that at five years in major, we're going to all be right here. Amen. We're going to be going to stop cursing. We're going to stop doing this. We ain't going to, you know, we ain't going to do no excessive pardon. We ain't going to do it. But it don't work like that. Amen. And so, therefore, what he's trying to get them to see, he had an expectation for them to grow, but they were still carnal-minded. He said, now, look, I had to feed you with milk and not solid food. And that's a reference going to be made. We're going to take a quick look at that in, uh, in Hebrews, where he talks, uh, where the writer of Hebrews bring that up too. Because you weren't ready for anything stronger. So he didn't throw them away. He just knew that he had to tell his message and couldn't get to the deeper things of the gospel. He had to keep the gospel very simple because when you started getting too spiritual, worldly-minded people can't receive it. That's right. So there's certain messages, and we see this in Hebrew, we say, look, uh, uh, and, and Peter in, in, in the Hebrews, when he wanted to talk to them about 
the spiritual connection between Jesus and Melchizedek as far as their priesthood was going to go. And to get them to go back and see that in their mind, how God made that connection that Jesus was a type of Melchizedek. You know, if you're a baby, you can't. What? You want me to go back and see this dude that gave an offering to Abraham and Abraham gave him an offering and you want me to make that connection to that Jesus? No, we ain't ready for that yet. So now when you can't handle those type lessons, then now we have to stay down in elementary things. And that's why when we, when we look, and I want to read it because it ties to these uh, verse 2 and 3 uh, in uh, Hebrews, and I'll read that real quick. But he says, in verse 3 here says, you are still controlled by your sinful nature. So there are some people in church today who come to church, but they're still controlled by their sinful nature. Because they're baby Christians. And so what you going to do to them? You going to kick them out? No, you got to try to teach them and indoctrinate them and encourage them to grow. You got to give people time to, to grow when they come. I'm talking, now you're talking about believers coming into the body. And, and he says, you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Going back to chapter one where he told them, you know, y'all arguing one another and broke up into factions. Yeah. And then now instead of y'all uh, uh, getting along with one another, y'all acting like two little toddlers out there in the sandbox fighting with each other. Babies do a lot of infighting. He said, now y'all should be growing, but you're still sinful. Your sinful nature. Aren't you living like people of the world? Now, in Hebrews, he says this. He says, and I'm in chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, real quick. He says, there's much more we would like to say to you about this, talking about the priesthood of Jesus. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers long, so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Some folk in the church have been in the church so long, they ought to be able to teach others at least Sunday school to the kids. But he's saying, because you're not growing, Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. In other words, you can't get past elementary faith that Jesus, Son of God, died on the cross without sin because you refuse to grow and you don't even know enough to teach that lesson to some little kid coming up behind you. That would be all, almost like a, a child in the 12th grade now that can't go back and teach elementary math to his little brother or his sister. And they're going to say, you've been in school all these years and you don't know how to do simple math? He's saying, y'all have been in church all this time, you're not growing. And people still are not coming to church every Sunday, but a lot of folks are not growing because they still are more worldly minded than they are spiritually minded. And that transition, you know, the Bible tells us we got to be renewed and transforming our mind, but man, it don't happen overnight. And some people stay carnal Christians all their life. Okay? He says, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Babies make babies mistakes. But those of us who are mature got to be an example for those babies and hope that they will grow. Okay? He says, solid food is for those who are mature who through training have 
the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Growing and maturing gives us the ability to understand what God considers right and wrong morally. And we're going to see that a little bit later when we get to a Peter, a reading in 1 Peter. So now look, let's go to verse 5. He goes back and he had talked to them about what they, how they was acting worldly and acting like people of the world. Then he comes back to that argument that he made in chapter 1 about Apollos and, and, and him and Peter. He says, after all, who is Apollos or who is Paul? So in order to understand that statement, you've got to go back and read the first chapter. Because they were saying, hey, I follow Apollo, I follow Paul, I follow Peter. And now he's coming back into that argument and said, well, who is those guys? We are only God's servant through whom you believe the good news. Each one of us did the work the Lord gave us. So he's trying to tell them, don't be so childish because y'all still arguing about who's the best preacher. You know, I, I, can, I can tell you right now in Stroud, we got about 15 ministers, and I guarantee you our members in their mind judge each one of them. In their mind, they, they judge them for whatever, and they're they wrong. They ought to be putting on blindness and seeing whoever's coming up preaching, do they give a scripture? Don't get caught up in the style and, and who can got the most eloquent flow and all that. That's nice, but that ain't the important thing. The important thing is get you get a word. Did they give you something that can, yes, yeah, some of them may be boring and more boring than others, don't give a good example and all that, but did they read the Bible and give you a word or are you going to say, Oh, I looked on the thing, made the speaking this week. Ain't no anointing there. I ain't going to church. And made up there. You know, I'm just being real. And when people get like that, they are focusing on the wrong. They're acting like babies. Acting like I can't learn anything from Brother Herb because Brother Herb is speaking tonight. And people make those decisions out of that immaturity. And, and that happens. No different than now. People are more caught up in the personality of a big preacher. Hey, man, you know, I follow Jake's. You know Jake's the man. I follow Furtick. I follow this guy. Why? Because they are, they are familiar with the human personality. But they know probably very little about him when he come off the stage. Or any other person. If you don't live with him, you don't, you don't know. So what you're doing is saying, do they present a word that lines up with God's word. Not the vessel, but you're looking at the message. that, And that's hard to do sometimes, because in public speaking, they told us, you know, you got to be aware that there are certain things will distract your audience. People are visuals, a lot of them. So if you're up there with a, 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 a green suit on with purple shoes and all this, they're going to probably be caught up in your green and purple shoes and they ain't listen to nothing you say. So you got to take that in consideration because they're going to lose sight of what you're trying to say because some people are going to be turned off by the way you dress. Look at that. That looks so dated up there. Yeah, yeah, look at that. That's a suit from the 90s. That's a 1990s suit. They don't, they don't even dress like that no more. <laughs> so, 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 wait, so, Pastor, wait, wait now. So you're saying that we should be listening for the word, and I'm sure, I'm sure we do that, but the presentation does matter. I understand that, but you got you got to get beyond the presentation. But but even but any any just like I'm you pretty said, sure Jesus didn't look like a Pharisee. Yeah, 
but he, but he didn't come in with no nice Pharisee he, robe on. But he, and but he told hard. stories. He, 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 they understood him. I mean, sometimes the presentation does matter. Well, okay, Jesus I'm, used parables. He, he, didn't, he, didn't just, he didn't just stand up there. And but just I'm saying if the preached. man or woman is reading the scriptures, Major, you put your own presentation to it. You, you use your own mind to think while they teach it. Don't say because cause a preacher get up here if he's manuscript, you shouldn't turn that preacher off because he's just going to read the text and keep going and not give you a practical analogy of every scripture you read. But you taught us there's an art to public speaking. There is. I'm, I'm saying it. There is and, an art. And, and so, and so. But that you, shouldn't keep you from learning. I'm not, I'm not saying it keeps you from learning. I'm talking about the attentiveness of it, though. So if, so if you're up there talking, and number one, I can't understand what you're saying. That's different now. We ain't talking about that. He, he wasn't talking about the understanding. Because we knew Apollo knew the word. He did. He we, did. So it wasn't like it was, he, he was, did. wasn't, didn't know. Did. They just caught up with the way he delivered. Paul knew the word. Peter knew the word. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you're saying that we should be concerned with the word. Get the mic, Major. I'm saying, and I agree. Pastor, but, I, but, but the presentation, in my mind, is going to sometimes decide whether you, whether you learn Based on how it's presented, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and sometimes your presentation can be so strong that they walk away from you like they did Jesus sometimes. True. And he was the master teacher. True. Brother Herb, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things that uh, uh, even, even in, uh, in, the, in the synagogues, when they gather to go to the, uh, to the synagogue, what do they do? Usually what Jesus did like all the rest of them, will go up, take the book, and read it. That was their message in the synagogue. Take the book and spoke the scriptures out of the book. And that was for the inspiration of the word that you were to receive. And one of the things that, that's, uh, that what I do, in a sense, you know, what you say is not to look for the outside appearance of one about his presentation, which you want to say, is what you just got to saying. Be engaged in what the message of what the individual giving, the inspiration of what the word of the individual going to give. And that's how I get to a point when any minister get up there is me to be engaged of the word of what he's bringing, well, he or she bring forth. And that will keep you from distraction because as human we do get distracted mm -hmm. if, 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 if you understand what I mean so amen uh, and so that's the thing that I get and I just want to say another thing about when we was talking about teaching also is um, Jesus did the same thing like you were ready to mention it was so much to the point where they say I can't give you you cannot understand this stuff in heaven you wouldn't understand it so I had to break it down to you, to your level. Mm -hmm. So Jesus did the same thing to a point where he had to be able to break it down to give them, uh, 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 well, like you would say, milk for the, even for the, the disciple to understand it. And also a lot of uh, the Pharisees and Pharisees, they missed the point when he was preaching and when he was hearing for the message. They missed it too. So. Yeah. And, and that's why he taught, like Major said, that's why he taught a lot of things in parables to make it plain because he knew 
that certain things be over there. And even some of his parables, they didn't get it. He had to come back later and explain it. Okay, this person represent this, this person rep represent that. But he made it natural first, and then he came back and made the spiritual connection so that they could, so they could truly understand how God does things. And so this is why, you know, we are going to understand that God is, is, is the source. He says, now look, in verse 6 and 7, he says, I planted the seed in your hearts because I started this church. He said, I, I founded this church in Corinth, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. God gives the increase. It is not, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. We just got to put seed in the ground. If, if you were not saved and baptized at this church, then it's a good possibility I'm watering something that was already been planted in you. When you come here now, you're getting water. If someone just came here and they got baptized here and got saved here, then, that, then all that seed planting was right here. But when people leave here, they go other places, and then he's going to come back later and tie that to a foundation. As long as they all got the same foundation, it may be different builders who are going to come along and build on the foundation. And they got to be careful what they let, let, get, let get built on their foundation. Okay? So let me, let me get there. I don't get ahead of myself. He says, now look, teamwork, he's trying to prove the point that Apollos and myself, we're all on the same team. Me, Peter, Paul, we're on the same team. He says, the one who plant and the one who water works together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we both, we are both God's workers and you are God's field and you are God's building. A lot of times the Bible used metaphorical terms to depict the church or the body of believers. Sometimes it's, you read it, talk about being a field, a building, an army, a family, a body, but they're all talking about the whole, the unit of the church. And so we talk about the universal church. The universal church is consisting of anybody who is said that they are a believer in Jesus Christ. Whether they come to striving or they go to the Methodist church over there or the church down the street somewhere else, the foundation, if they are standing on that foundation of Jesus Christ, then we're all part of the same body. But we're probably not all operating the same way. We probably don't have service the same way. We probably don't do the same things in service because there are different styles based upon culture, based upon the type of music people listen to and like that they have written. And so all of those things need to be taken into consideration. But when you peel all the onion back, what is the foundation? Do they ever talk about Jesus Christ? If, if he is the foundation, then I can look past their methods. I say, well, well, we probably wouldn't do that in here like that. But that's the methods that they're using there. And if it's not sinful, then I can't judge it. Okay? And, and, so, and so he's saying, now look, we all are workers in, 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 in God's vineyard and it's teamwork that we're building towards. So we're all on the same team. And, and, and so what happens is it is easy when, for me to sit here and striving and then take a look over in somebody else's ministry and because they're doing something I don't like to do, then I can easily start judging them and saying, they, they, they ain't right. 
when I don't know what is the results, is anything growing in that field? Is lives being changed? So I got to be careful not to judge methods and things like that that I can't prove that is sinful. Okay. Testimonies. Huh? Testimonies. Testimonies. Why people use testimony? Why do people the, use the testimony? The people them that use real life testimony. Right. Normally it's people that was doing all the wrong stuff came back and give a testimony of, oh, God has changed or helped them or, or saved them. And, and it, it caused a lot of other people to listen and, and to come to Christ as well. Amen. So sometimes we're too in a hurry to criticize people. We don't know because we can't see nobody's heart. We can't see their faces and their clothes. That's how we can't see. God is the only one can search their heart to see where they're coming from and what, what they're really all about. And at the end of the day, it's only Christ Jesus we're going to have to give account to. And, and we're going to get to some of that, too. I think some of that's going to be touched on here, and I know it will be here in, in a few minutes. So let me just keep, keep going. In verse 10 and 11, he says this, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. He said, okay, I laid the foundation here in Corinth. God called me to preach to the Gentiles, and that's where my primary assignment was to go out to the Gentiles. I laid the foundation. Then he says, now other builder, builders are building on it. I laid it, but others come in and assist and build on top of that same foundation. He said, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Can't just build anything on the foundation. He says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already have all, we, one we already have, and that is Jesus Christ. So at the, at the end of the day, I got to peel back all the layers to the building and see at the foundation, is Jesus the foundation? Then now that I know he is the foundation, and Jesus teaches a parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about what type of foundation or what type of foundation have you built on? Is the foundation built on sand or is it built on a rock? So it looks like, you know, we can be building on something, but it may not be on the right thing. That's why we got to go back to, is Jesus Christ the center of the church at all? You go to the ministry, you visit there for a month or two months, and you never hear a message about Jesus. You never hear his name mentioned. He's not mentioned in the songs, and they sing a nice inspiration song. But is Jesus identified in some way in the ministry? Because he is the foundation. You got to bring people back to Jesus. And, and, and so when you see that, then now that I know Jesus is still a foundation, then the methods that they're using in that church to win people to the Lord, I may not agree with every method, but if I can't prove that method is sinful, then I'm not to judge it. I got to say, is Jesus the foundation? Is he trying to do it? Now, whether they're being, now you can come back and say, well, how do we know that they're being truthful? Well, that's between them and God. I can't look at their heart. All I know is they're calling out his name. You know, when, when Jesus' disciples got mad because the other dude would call it, you know, he wanted to call out and fire on them because they was over there doing things. And Jesus said, look, as long as they're doing it in my name, man, and you can't call out and fire on them. They, they, doing it, they ain't doing it the way you want them to do it, but people's lives are being changed, so don't hold up the fire. So we got a lot of fire throwers in the church. They, they called out fire on you. <laughs> Instead of saying, it's the work producing Good fruit. And the Bible also talk about 
we have to be careful of the material that we're using to build on that foundation. That's right. That's coming next. That's coming next. We, we get there. That's verse, uh, when you start adding to Jesus, you got to be careful. He's looking at this verse 12, and I think I'm going to read verse 12 and 13. He says, now, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Then he, again, like Jesus talking about the sand and the, and the rock, now he used different types of material to determine what is considered good materials and bad materials. He said they can use gold, silver, or jewels, or wood, hay, and straw. He divided them up into two types of materials, some that would be considered valuable and some that would be considered worthless. So that means that there's a possibility that there are people out there who will build it on the foundation, but their works, and like going back to what you said now, Major, their works and their actions and their attitudes and the things that they're using is not going to withstand the test of time. They're still doing it, but at Judgment Day, that's going to be called into question how they did it down here. But the thing is, as long as they was confessing Jesus, they don't get in. Brother Her? One of the biggest things that, uh, that I received, especially when, uh, when, when, when Jesus was asked the question to the, to the disciples, who, who, who the people said, I am, who mm -hmm. am I? And one of the things that came out of that, when Peter answered correctly, and he says, I will build my church. And so my, my thing is, what, is, what does Jesus' church look like? What do Jesus' church look like? Because he's the one that said, I will build my church home. From that answer that you question that, I will build my church. So if you want to be able to, I say, for the foundation of building a church, how are you going to, then you go to Jesus and see what Jesus' church looked like. And it's, it's in the word. But, but obviously when we look at that herb, obviously church. all Jesus' churches ain't cookie cutters. But it, once again, he says. The foundation. Yes, it is his church. On this foundation. If that's where you got to go, what I'm saying, that that's where you got to go into the word, what his church looked like, Pastor. That's what I'm saying. Because you said everything got to go back to Jesus, right? That's right. So once, so, but he was heard, but he's just telling us right now that right. If, even though Jesus is the foundation, there may be different materials used to build on that foundation. And so if Herb decided to use a diamond and I decided to use a ruby, we both are building with works that's going to last. And if Major decided to build with straw, he's going to still get folks saved but his works ain't going to last when he comes before judgment. That's right. that exactly. That, that's the point. What, what, if you bring with wood and straw, and it's, it, it talks about the same thing in, in the sense that he gave a parable about that. Also, if you build your house on a straw, it's not going to last. It's going to get blown down, but now, but, but, but what we got to see I here. Mean, if you put that material on, that's what he was trying to say. You put that material on that. On right? the foundation. On the, the foundation is said, still you, there. Well, he said, if you, build a, if you build a house on 
wood or of wood, oh, not wood. On, on wood. He's saying, look, it's not gonna last. on that foundation, some people are going to put wood and straw on it. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah. He, he's saying the foundation is still Jesus, but some people are going to put wood and straw on it and build a straw house. Some people are going to use stone, gold, and silver, things that's going to last. Both of them built on the same foundation. And, and because they're built on the same foundation, they're going to all come and stand before him in judgment. And he's going to say, hey, y'all just barely got in because I'm going to burn up the straw. You weren't doing everything as good as you could have. You were on the right foundation. The foundation got you in. Your work's going to determine how you get rewarded. What foundation you, we agreed the foundation is Jesus. Oh, absolutely. He just said that. I'm okay. not going to disagree with that. Okay. He said they built it on the same foundation. They're just putting different things on it. But, but my point is, if you go and find something else to build upon, it's not on Jesus. Pastor, what I'm trying to establish is find out what Jesus, what church Jesus looked like, and if you build on his foundation, you put, you put the right material on, and it will stand. That's what I'm saying. Okay, and, but Herb, I'm just going to go back and read this, and then you can determine how you interpret in the way you want to. He says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one which has already been laid, Jesus Christ. So we all, the foundation we agree on. He said, Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. So some people are going to be built with those things. But they're still standing on Jesus. They just that, they just that their house ain't built on no good material. But they still got the right foundation. They made some choices in life that didn't line up with all of his teaching, what you said, what the church should look like, his doctrine, the things he taught, but they were still on the foundation. Yeah, I, I, that's critical because I think we're interchanging church with a building. We are the church. That's it. So that's the difference. In our foundation, who can we confess? Jesus. That's the solid Well, that, that could be true. That could be a, that could be a good analogy. He, he, he done, granddaddy taught him the word. He stood up somewhere and said, hey, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that he died for my sin. But at the same time, on that foundation, I'm going to put worldly stuff. I'm going to put worldly stuff. Until he comes into the knowledge of, the saving knowledge of the truth. That meaning we are not judging him where we won't allow him to come. Because when he comes, he <laughs> Major say he can't bring no straw in the house, huh? He can't, he, he can't bring no straw in the house, Major. You know what you said? He, he a work in progress, Major. He, he a work in progress. But, but let, let, let me read on that because I want to read this and then I want to go and, and, and see how Peter addressed this in, in, in 2 Peter 1 through 5 so, so we can kind of tie all this together. 
So, so we, we agreed that, that the foundation is Jesus Christ, and we can just look at the world today and find out that if you just line up 100 churches, you're going to see different churches building with different types of materials. I mean, you know, some going to be building with what they, we consider straw and hay and stubble. Some going to be building with what is considered precious stone. But they still standing on Jesus. That's probably one of the reasons we got so many denominations. And so when Brother Herb, when I hear him say, what does the church look like? It probably looked like how people interpret this Bible. Jesus is the foundation, but they interpret the Bible that we can get away with this, and they don't know they're building with hay. But they say, Jesus is my foundation. And then that other one over here say, I'm building with this, and they're using precious stone. And, and some of the things that we'll see here is like, uh, he says, but on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has used. Amen. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the thing, because the Bible says only the things that you do for Christ will last. Amen. But that ain't saying you're going to lose your salvation. It's just saying that your work's going to be tested. And we know that works don't save us. This is where the church gets in that dilemma now because there are some people out there that think that we work our way to heaven. We work because we are saved. And because we are saved, we have works, but all of our works may not be righteous. That Some work's going to get burned up. Amen. Question. Is there a such thing that, just a hypothetical question, a person can lose their salvation? That's a deep theological debate right there. And, and, and it just depends on which side of the coin you want to land on. There are some people who do teach a loss of salvation based upon a, a, a passage, I think, in Hebrews. One of the, the, the writers said that if you have tasted the goodness of God and you walk away from that, there will be no way to get back to it. It will be hard to get back if you taste it. And then there are some people who believe once saved, always saved. You know, you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your confession is based, your, your salvation is based upon that confession of faith. It ain't based upon how many works you get to get saved. And, and, and so there's a debate there. So you, you, it depends on how you interpret it. I, for me, I say I'm saved forever. But what about those that are going to fall away from the word? Huh? The Bible says some of them are going to fall away from the word. That's, the, that's what we're talking about, apostasy. Now, if you denounce the gospel like blaspheming the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, that's different when you're denouncing something. You know, if you're going to denounce Jesus, then yeah, I mean, you have turned your back on him. Okay? But if, if you don't denounce him, then it, you're going to, you know, and you confess him as Lord, then you're going to get saved. Now, look at this, because I want to show you that, because he's going to make that clear. He says, now look, in verse 10, he says, if the work survive, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss, like almost like your house burnt down and everything in it. All you did was get out. You, 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 didn't, you didn't save nothing. He said, the builder will be saved, but like someone who barely escaped through a wall of fire. So there are going to be some folks in heaven that just barely got in because they built on Jesus some bad works. But they didn't denounce him. They didn't fall away from him. They still believe he was the son of God, but their works ain't going to get rewarded, but they're going to be saved. Now that's hard for some people to understand 
But that's God. He can do that. If he's saying that salvation is based on major confessing that my son is the savior of the world, and then now that's what the criteria, that's his standard, then now major now is only going to be impacting his reward. Because right now, most people think that, man, if the dude, stuff got burnt up, but the foundation. You know, you can burn a house down, and most times you brush off stuff, foundation's still there. It's the foundation. It'll be nice if he took his house up there with him, but all he's going to be is to get in with the, the foundation going to get him in. And that's the hard thing that we got to understand is that there are going to be some people in heaven that just got there because of the foundation. Like someone who barely made it through a wall of fire. Now, this is how he says that kind of like in 2 first, in first, Peter 1, 1, 5 through 11. He said, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Supplement or add to your faith. He's saying, now that you got faith, you want to build on top of that faith. Going back to probably what Brother Herbert's saying, what the church ought to look like. As the church and individual, we ought to be building on to that foundation. He says, add to your faith a generous portion of moral excellence. In other words, we ought to be trying to live morally right after we done got the foundation. If we, we got the foundation, but if we live in immoral, then immoral works going to get burned up. He says, and moral excellence add knowledge. You got to know God's standards now that you got the foundation. You got to build and stand on his standards. And to knowledge add self-control. He's saying, look, if my church add these things to it, they're going to be all right. But there are a lot of people in the church who ain't, who ain't add these things to their foundation. They're still in church, but they're out of control. And self-control Add patient endurance. Know that you're in warfare. You're going to have to go through the fight. You're going to have to endure some hardship as a good soldier. And when you add patient endurance, add godliness. Now, the, the, the higher we get up in this, he starts saying you got to strive to live more like God now. Amen. And to godliness, add brotherly affection. That's brotherly love, one to another, which they should have had in the church because they're arguing and fussing and fighting over who's the best preacher. And brotherly affection you got to add love. Now you got to love everybody. So you can be on the foundation of Jesus and don't love everybody. That's right. And that's going to hurt you. Even though you come to church every Sunday and say you love the Lord, but you ain't putting no love on that foundation. Everybody. Now the brotherly love, that's saying I got to love Major because he's my brother. That's familiar love that we have for being in the family. But then now he said, we got to go beyond that if we're going to add to that. The church got to be able to love everybody. Not like everything they're doing, but the church got to be able to love everybody. Then look what it says. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins, but they're still in the, on the foundation. They're just blind, short-sighted. He said, now look, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall, that go back to what you talking about, fall away. He said, if you do these seven things, 
then you won't fall away. You may not get, be as close to them as you want to be because, you, you know, you ain't growing, but you ain't going to fall away. You're not going to turn up, wake up one day and say, well, I don't no longer believe that Jesus is the Lord. I'm going to apostate and fall away from him. And see, he said, now, if you never fall away, he says, now, look, that, that, uh, that you never fall away, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me believe everybody ain't going to get no grand entrance. If you've been building with hay and stubble, you're going to get in, but ain't going to be no big celebration for you. You just barely got in as if you just jumped out the house. You know what I mean? And the house was on fire. But he didn't say you weren't going to get in. He just said that interest, that reward is not going to be saved. So now we go back and look at what he was saying over in, in our chapter 3. He says, verse 16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that your, the spirit of God lives in you? So here he combines them as one body, but later on he's going to talk about them in chapter 6 as individual bodies. If they're individual bodies, but now because he's talking to the church community as a whole, he's talking about them and how they're acting and treating one another, he's trying to let them say that, hey, y'all all part of one body, and the Spirit lives in the whole church. He says, now look, God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. And now he's going back to those false teachers, those people who will come in philosophy and try to pull people away. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So God is going to deal with those who come in and try to pull people away because he's going to defend, like, like uh, Brother Herb said, going back now, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. But the gates of hell ain't going to prevail against it. He didn't say the gates weren't going to come against it. He just said they were, the devil ain't going to win. God is not going to let the church be destroyed. People are going to fall away from it. But in the end of the day, the church is going to last. And that's what we have to focus on. We got to focus on, hey, this person may not, this person may make the best be number straw over here. But he's still on the foundation. The church going to last. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is going to last. And so as long as we can focus on the fact that in the end, the church is going to last in God, and if God needs to get rid of Snoop, he ain't going to let Snoop just make a fool out of his church. It's going to be revealed. Yes, he's strong. He said, strong. He said now, 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 now look, stop. In verse 18, he says, stop deceiving yourselves if you think you are wise by this world's standard. In other words, if you are judging one another based on the world's standard and you are trying to follow the world's standard instead of God's standard, the world's standard is not going to make you wiser than God. So don't fool yourself. And that's why I was saying that because the church is trying so much to please the world, they are bringing a lot of the world's standards into the church. They are on the foundation of they're still talking about Jesus, but they build it on straw, with straw 
and hay and stubble. And so that debate is going to always be there where it's a standard. You know, right now we know the standard, you know, human sexuality is, 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 is one of the biggest challenges the church is facing today. You know, and as a result of that, there's some say, hey, that work is straw, hay, and stubble. And there's some say, hey, we got to love everybody and we got to embrace that. God going to have to sort all that out because it done got convoluted now because culture has started to infiltrate the church. And you are seeing people who have been gone, who have been educated in this word and, and went to school in this word saying, hey, there may be a line right there that God love, God's love. He got to still, we got to still love them. They don't, you got to still love people even if they, because we, we know we got to love our brothers and sisters. But then he tells them we got to even love our enemies. So now how people, like Brother Herb say, what does that love of love look like? I guarantee you it ain't a cookie cutter. But mate, Pastor, so it's like you said, like the, the sexuality part, is, it's, a, it's a fine line. But then when it comes to it being sin, then that's, an, that's a different story. I agree. I'm going to agree with what God called. If God calls something sin, I got to agree with him. I, 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 I can't let culture say that that is not because now, you know, culture don't put some stubble on the foundation. And so and, we still got to love the sinner but hate the sin. But, but even with that, I mean, it's like, well, uh, where's the line? Example, I mean, uh, uh, let me say this, Brother Herb, then you get it. A good example would be like, there's some, if you go back to that once saved, always saved concept, a person confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, then after that, hey, they're saved. But then there are some people that believe that everybody is going to heaven. Universalism is what it's called. So, so the mindset is that, hey, my little, and Carlton Pilsen started this, he used to give it an analogy. You know, you're going to tell me, my little 90-year-old grandma, I'm just paraphrasing some of the stuff he said, who, who helped people in the community, who fed the hungry, who did all those things, you're going to tell me that a merciful God, a loving God, is going to send my grandmama to hell? And he said, even if he never heard her confess Jesus Lord. So in his mind, there is a concept of universalism is that everybody's going to get into heaven, and he may be thinking, stretching that to say, she's just going to get in by the skin of her teeth on some good works. And, and so now, when you go with that message, then you will broaden that foundation, not the foundation, but you'll broaden what you put on the foundation. Say, okay, then if that's how you believe your lifestyle is, then God still loves you. And you've got good works, you're going to be all right. But God's standard says something else. I understand. So, so yeah, the standard is confess your, and so if you haven't done that, well, I'm talking about you confess that, but then you say God made me this way. Well, yes, but, but of course we, we know that um, there's no, God does things perfectly. Everything he does, he does it decently in order. And, you know, there's no variation. However, um, I, I was going to say something concerning the... Um, <laughs> 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 I, 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 
That's okay. Yeah. So, so I think I think some of this gonna come. Go ahead, Prof. Fred. You know, the way I look at it, eternal life is eternal life. Then if you could lose it, it was never eternal. So what I'm saying is, you know, let's say uh, uh, Bob accepts Christ, gets saved. Five years from now, he could get confused and say, okay, you know, now I want to date Larry over here. You know, I don't think God is going to snatch his salvation away. There's a scripture in the Bible that says God would destroy the body in order to save the soul. So I, I think God, because of God being merciful and his eternal life being eternal, that somehow he's going to bring that person back in before they leave the church. Well, that's almost like what Paul was saying earlier up here is that he's going to get in but just like getting out of a house with nothing but, but, but his life is ever here. And, and that's a debate that, you know, God will have to sort some of this out now. We, we can sit here and, and, and use the scripture to say, okay, that is a possibility that what Fred say could be balanced off that scripture. Say that, yeah, that could be. Long as, long as he don't walk away from the foundation. He just didn't build on the foundation with the right lifestyle, the right stuff, but he still was on the foundation. Dacia. And I that's where I think what we have a hard time trying to determine is all I know is the foundation, what you're on, is based upon your confession. If you confessing him as Lord and you saying that, that's all I got to go on. Now, I'm not going to follow you around and see your work because, uh, you know, the thief on the cross didn't get a chance to clean up nothing. Man, he, did, he couldn't clean up nothing. He couldn't go back and make nothing right. He hadn't heard all these folks, stole all that stuff from the folks, but all he had was his confession. So, Pastor, are you saying that? I have a question. A couple of the same sex married, and one expired and they accepted Christ before they expired, are you saying they're going to make it in? Based on the, the, the definition of confession of your faith, it is no different. Don't even just make marriage the issue. They could have been an adulterer all their life in a marriage right way. And, and then on the deathbed, had one of those moments. Lord, forgive me for all the sins I've done. That's why the Catholic Church practiced that. They believe in death. Now, I don't want to take the chance that you're going to get a chance in your last breath. I'd rather go and get saved now. But they do believe. That's why a lot of times you're Catholic, when they feel like you're about to leave here, they have priests on call. So they can come and give you your last rites. And in those last rites, the intent is for you to get things right with God so you can get into heaven. You're saying salvation. You can't lose salvation. That's what we're hearing. That's what I'm hearing, right? But my question is, suppose you die in your sin. You die in the middle of, let's say, you're committing adultery. And right in the spot during that time. But wait, wait, wait. Let's time out. Not just a question. Let me, let me just, but you got to qualify that a little bit more. Are you dying in your sin and you're on the foundation? Yeah. Are you dying in your sin and you're yes. off the foundation? No. You, you, you're a Christian. Like everybody with sin. Okay, okay? If, you, if, you, if so, you're on the foundation, you die in your sin, yes. your, your work's going to get burned up. You stubble in hay. Straw. You straw. You straw. I just still feel like 
I ain't asking how you feel. I, I, I know, no, no, no. what it say. No, no. You know what? You know what? I, I know that the Lord is who choose who he wants. He choose. We don't choose him. He chooses. us. He's sovereign. He can so, do that. Now, if he want to change that, if the rule is that, hey, when they get there because they did that and they got caught in the very act, then they died in the act, you know, I'm going to say that foundation was never good. That's God's call. But the Bible say if they building bad stuff, the foundation is what's going to last. Yes, foundation is going to last. The and foundation. And, and so our getting into heaven is not based on works. It's based on faith. Amen. And that's because why I that's another argument that like Paul was having later when he said, okay, faith without works is dead. And so that, that some people probably feel like you say, hey, man, you say you're saved, but you ain't got no works. You got dead works. So then now does that mean you're not saved because you don't have no works to go with it? Then that goes against, hey, look like now we got to work. And then salvation ain't no, it's no longer free. Grace is no longer free if I got to work and do something to get it. It was supposed to be given to me while I was yet still sinning. And I remember what I was going to say now. Uh, when you gave the depiction of Carlton Pearson's mother, he, he stated, you know, she was doing it, and, and, and the God is going to send her. Well, he didn't send her. She, that was her choice. That was a choice that if that was the case, that was her choice. It, it, so you can't add that, state that Christ sent her, God sent her. She, that was a choice. If she didn't accept Christ as her Lord and Savior, that was her choice. The, you know, the Bible says he said before us uh, blessings and curses, Life and death, choose. He give us answer. Choose life. And he is life. He is the everlasting life. Exactly. Now, again, you can take that doctrine just a little bit further because now, again, since we I got a couple minutes we can talk about. You're right. So, But with Carlton Pearson believing in universalism and those people who share his belief going to think that, hey, I'm going to heaven regardless. So in their mind, hell is not even real. Wow. So, 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 everybody. And so now that's a little bit almost like how the Mormons present heaven. Because they take a passage of scripture where Paul said, I looked up and I saw myself in the third heaven. Then they thinking that some think that, okay, heaven must have different degrees. That's gonna be a heaven for the straw and the stubble and no one accepts. That's gonna be another degree of heaven for those who are kind of good. And the third heaven is for those who are really saintly. But at the end of the day, they're all going to heaven. You know, Pastor. Now, I don't ascribe to that, but they take one passage of scripture and say it looked like there were three heavens that Paul looked up into. And so that made people good. And now, again, you take that same doctrine and tie that to the fact that Majin died, and he died in his sin, but I'm believing he died in purgatory, waiting. And so while I'm living, I'm praying for him. And I'm believing that I'm going to pray major to that third heaven, that first heaven, that second heaven, because he ain't going to hell, because we're going to still pray for him, because we still believe there's hope for him after he's in the grave. You know. But I hope we got your point. I hope we're in the same area. <laughs> One of the things, too, that uh, come to mind of what the, the scripture says, that um, the requirement, believing, repenting, and Jesus said, the Father, I can't accept you if the Father bring you to me. And, and we are supposed to be, once we have made that requirement of repentance and believing upon him, then we are all a gift to Jesus. And it also states that no one can take that gift away. 
what the Lord, what God has put in my hand, I mean, in your hand, nobody can snatch it out. Nobody can snatch that person out. And so that goes to the point where it says that you are, once you have made that requirement of repentance and believing upon, that you are a gift, and God will present you to Jesus as a gift. And nobody can take that out of his hands. Now, some people say, Herb can make up his mind, he's going to jump out. Well, but well, ain't nobody snatch him out. But nobody going to snatch me out. <laughs> he, he can if, jump if, out. He can say, hey, but, I no but, longer want to be in the hand. I'm going to jump out. So I'm going to fall away from him. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, the Bible says. Let me say one more. My other point, what I was going to say about the scriptures, it says also, it says, uh, I, I think this is 1 John, when it says, do not love the world. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, there's one point where you do not love, and that is, do not love the world. And that's what he's trying to get them to see here, too, because they're going to come back so, to that world, trying to so talk about the world. That love thing, don't, yeah, do yeah. not love the world. And what, and what that is, and it explains what that is, what it looks like. You don't love these things. The flesh, of the, you know, the flesh, the eye, the pride of life, all that things that comes with it. You do not love that. Amen. I took, I have my brother, I have a brother that I feel like him is a great guy. But I always tell him, I said, listen, you have to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't, I know him accept him in the sense of him never yet say, well, that's not Jesus or this, you know. But the fact that he, I don't hear you confess it. You didn't confess that Jesus is Lord and, you know, and Savior. So even when you are a good person, that don't mean that you save until you confess. And that's kind of what, what the, the, that's, again, the, the belief that that's we what hold, the, the, that you got to confess Lord. I mean, that's because we, I don't ascribe to universalism like Carson did. Like I say, once he started that, they kicked him out of Zeus. All, I mean, he used to be big up there at the camp meeting with Kenneth Kagan, Kenneth Cope, and all of them. But when he started talking like that, whatever that group was, he was in, man, he, they cut his speaking and gave him. He ain't come no more because they just didn't agree with him on that. But, but there were some who followed him. And, and one of the guys who followed him now, one of his sons in ministry, got one of the fastest growing ministries up in Oklahoma. And, and, uh, and, and, but he, he has kind of come close to that line of hyper-worldliness by bringing a lot of the world right into the church and people eating it up because it let them come with no accountability. We ain't got to change, and we're going to get in. So therefore, we can push that envelope and do whatever we want because we're going to, and people are doing that. Now, God is going to have to sort that out. Let's go back to what you're saying, Deborah. It's not my job to go out there and try to tear the wheat from the tear because there probably are some good people in that church who do believe that Jesus is the Lord of their life and all that, and they not, may not agree with all the antics that he put on on the stage up there. So, so it's not my job to go try to do that. God's going to sort that out. But at the same time, he, people are buying into it, and he may be leading some people astray. Well, you know, we got to, you know, let God judge all that. We have a guy that's saving people now on TikTok, a preacher, but and don't, not a board of baptism, and just do this great fire baptism. Like, I'm always explaining them that when, um, John the Baptist was doing it. He was doing it with water, and he said, the one that coming behind me, 
coming with more with power and and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. So it baptized like two thousand in two in two months, two thousand and change. I watched them literally watching me, and it really preached the word. Because if you say something or ask something, him said, hold on, him take up the Bible and him go to the Bible to answer every question that is asked. Amen. So I, I think I'm pretty decent in that aspect. Amen. I think the most important is the salvation continue to uh, to move forth to get that wisdom to understand and what Paul is talking to us and to remind us about the gospel to get the right teaching and you can, you can, and it is our responsibility to be more to understand. Uh, what it is, what the, the right teaching, what is a good, I mean, the, the good foundation that stands on. If you don't know that, and that's what Paul's warning us also uh, through some of his lettering, is that how are you going to recognize a false, false teacher if you don't know? And if you don't do your, you know, do your, uh, I say, your, your study in a sense to understand what a false teacher looked like. Because we are running, like you said, and today we run to false teaching. Yeah. And people are leaving you or putting you to the point you build it on, on wood. Well, I mean, they, 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 yeah, they're no longer building on the foundation. And foundation. And the false teacher is but coming in, he's not going to acknowledge Christ. You know, he's not going to acknowledge Christ. That's, that's what the starting point for false teaching is right there. How do you see Jesus? Bad teaching is that, hey, I acknowledge Jesus, but I'm not interpreting this Bible the same way made it. We, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he died on the cross. We be the fundamental teaching of the gospel. But then now how we apply that fundamental teaching is determined that, hey, I may be putting some straw on Jesus and stuff. So, so when I hear false teaching, I'm thinking about the guy who's coming in and don't even acknowledge Jesus. Say, I don't believe in the resurrection. I don't believe that he was the Son of God. You see, I, I, don't, I don't believe, you know, that he was the Messiah that came to save all mankind. That, that's the degree of false teaching he's talking about in, in that regard versus someone who interprets something differently, but Jesus is still the foundation. Because obviously, with all these different churches that say we stand on Jesus, obviously we interpret certain things differently. How we apply what we say we are standing on. Hence, Church of God in Christ, Methodist, Baptist, United Methodist, you know, Pentecostal, they all at the foundation of all those denominations is Jesus. But how they execute that through their worship and what they practice inside the church is very different. And I like how this, uh, this preacher I heard, he um, stated um, when it referenced uh, Exodus uh, chapter 5, you know, verse 1, in that, you know, for us as Christians, we have to understand that, you know, understand that the salvation piece. Not only did Christ save us from our sins, but he also saved us into a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So that relationship piece, we get the sin part. He delivered us and saved us from our sins. But what did he say? He saved us to something also. That to something is a relationship. And that's what we are to be pursuing, that, that relationship. To be close and more like him. I mean, want to be growing to the, to the fullness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and again, that goes back to uh, just think about relationships in the natural. It would be nice 
if you got five kids that your relationship was identical with all of them. They all came out your same foundation. They steal your children. But I guarantee you, some of them ain't building on the, on, on the same thing. But at the end of the day, they steal yours. I think what separates the false doctrine from the, the, the true doctrine is the Holy Spirit that let God lead and teach us. Without that, you're not going to know true gospel. The, the whole, that's the Holy Spirit's job is to guide and lead us and tell always the truth. Because some people sound real good. You know, I mean, they sound like they, 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 they're solid built. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit to discern that, then you can still be misled. That's true. I mean, that's why we go back to where you say you got to add to your faith knowledge. You got to know and understand how God does, does certain things. But when it comes to the foundation of salvation, that is Jesus Christ as the foundation. Then now I got to know Fred is adding to his foundation wood and stubble and hay. And Herb is adding precious stone. And I got a choice. Who I want to go and, and serve under? Do I want to go and serve under Fred? I'm on the right on the foundation, but I just know at the end of the day, my rewards ain't gonna be the same, and I'm probably gonna have a different course in life that's gonna probably be entirely different from building my life on something solid, precious stone metal. But at the end of the day, we can both say we believe in Jesus. I believe the thief on the cross would have had a different life if he had found Jesus earlier. So by finding him late, he still got in, but he didn't have a chance to live a good life. So there are going to be some people that are going to miss out on living a better life because of their relationship with Jesus, and they're trying to do what he says, Fred, what he's teaching, follow his doctrine and teaching, and believe that's going to make my life better instead of some people going to say, I'm just going to accept him, and I ain't going to even try to grow like some of these folks here. They were calling them on Thinking that, hey, man, the world make more sense to me. I done did the basics. I done confessed them, but I ain't trying to get too deep. I ain't trying to get too spiritual. I kind of like where I'm at right now. I done got in. And, and if that's the case, if God going to let that fly, you know, that's why in, when Jesus gave the other parable, you know, it's going to be such a close call that when he get there, he's going to have to determine who the sheep and the goats are. We, we can't do that here. If, if, if Jesus get, they get to heaven and Jesus find out that, hey, man, you know, no, you'll go. Depart from me. That ain't my call. They're going to all have to stand before him, and he's going to be the, the, the final arbitrator uh, when it comes to that. But they're going to get an audience. But I'm believing if they truly confess him in their heart, they just ain't going to get rewarded like that. Okay. Can I ask a question? Because then now if it come down to purely that, then it will look like that argument may be true that you got to have works to get saved. You got to do some works which nullify grace. So what it means by if you need a hat or cold and where it's pretty out his mouth? What does it mean? Oh, well, and, yeah. and when he was talking to the, the church there, he was yeah. talking about their life. But again, he was talking a letter to the church. He said, I would rather you be hot or cold. Yes. You know, and, and, and he said, if, if you're hot, you know, I can deal with you because I'm thinking that you, you, you're what you're supposed to be. But if you're cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. But that passage is not talking about salvation. That, that passage is not talking about salvation. Let me go ahead and finish reading this, and then we'll call it an evening. He says, 
I'm reading, uh, let me start at 19 again. It says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scripture says, he go back and quote a couple Old Testament scripture, he traps the wise in the snares of their own cleverness. In other words, people who think they're going to get over on God, God's going to figure them out. I mean, when, 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 but, but, but again, that's God's job. He's going to trap them. He's going to catch their deception. If they, Major, go back to that. If their heart ain't really right when they're talking about they love Jesus and they don't confess Jesus, God's going to see through that. Men, you won't be able to see through that. It ain't our job. But if they, if they, if they are lying in their heart and just confess their mouth and they don't really believe that, then God got to do that. I can only go by the fact that they met the requirement to say, hey, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, you know, da, 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 and they made the confession. That's what the standard say. Now, whether or not that was a true confession or a false confession, God didn't give me that authority. He says, but I ain't going to be mocked. I ain't going to let nobody, because I know your heart. I know Major really was lying. <laughs> he, he really didn't mean nothing he said. But Bolden believed Major at his word because that's what the word, he did what the word said. And so different motives make people do different things, and it's hard for us to judge everybody's motives when they do certain things. We don't have the ability to see people's motives, but over time, you would think that, okay, if that motivation for doing that was for personal gain, eventually you're going to find out that there may be some things that that was a false confession. He, he didn't, that's what some people say to people who didn't get in, was because their confession was never a true confession. They was lying in the confession. But again, I don't know that. That's God got to sort all that out, because he ain't going to be fooled. He says, again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So God knows. He didn't say we know. God knows. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. For everything belongs to you. If you got Christ, you got all you need. Don't, don't try to follow. There's no one man. If you got, if you following and holding on to Christ, you got all you need, regardless of the human leader is. So focus on him. Let him be the star. And he says, Everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So he said, man, if I am in Christ, there's no condemnation and everything that I need can be found in him and I got to make sure that I sight of him by looking at Major and trying to figure out if Major the real deal or not. No, Major mentioned Jesus in his sermon. I got it. I'm looking at Christ now. And now when Major get off the stage, he may not be living right. But my thing is, I got Christ. I got all I need. I don't need Major now. I got Christ. Once he done turned me on to Christ, Major, Major I realize the picture now. I just want him to continue to teach me and all that. But if he missed the mark, I got all I need. And I think sometimes we think once we get all we need, we still need the man or the woman. And so therefore, when the man or the woman fall, we then all of a sudden, well, God, I guess I might as well stop falling, come to church now. The pastor done had an affair, so I guess I ain't going to church no more. Well, see, you didn't realize you got all you need. Your focus in the wrong place. Yeah, you may not want to listen to them and go change church, but you don't walk away from Jesus because the pastor made a mistake and failed. Because pastors are falling every day. Amen. And so we got to just keep that before people. Jesus is the star. 
he is the one that paid the price for us, and that's what we got to believe. Amen? Man, we went over a little bit tonight. I thought we was going to get our four minutes over. Get a lot of Hancock a phrase. Amen. <laughs>